Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from provincial entomologist John Gavlowski. Also, we'll chat with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association about upcoming firefighter training. Up first in today's country comments, we're joined by Manitoba Fork General Manager Cam Dahl. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. On Friday, the province's chief public health officer and chief veterinary officer announced a positive human case of both H1N1 and H1N2 influenza variants. These two flu viruses are related to influenza viruses that circulate in pigs, however, are rarely found in humans. We got a reaction from Cam Dahl, general manager of Manitoba Pork. On Friday, um, Manitoba's chief veterinary officer was joined by uh, the chief public health officer uh, to announce that there was uh, uh, cases of, of variant H1N1 and variant H1N2 found, uh, um, found in Manitoba. Um, very fortunately, the, the flu symptoms were, were mild in both cases, and, and the people have, uh, have, have uh, uh, completely recovered um, both of those variants, uh, the variant H1N1 and the variant H1N2, are are really uncommon. Um, there's only been two of of uh, those cases. Uh, both of there's there's been two of the variant H1N1 and and two of the H1N2 in in Canada. So they're they're very rare. Um, they they aren't easily transmitted uh, between uh, between people. In fact, uh, we're not aware of any sustained transmission in, in these two cases. Uh, so there's no, no increased risk to, to Manitobans. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we'll, uh, no, no cause for concern of, uh, that, uh, that these two, uh, two cases are, are going to uh, spread. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, it's rare in humans. Are these variants, is, is it common in, in the pig population, though? Or? Well, the... Flus are, are are not uncommon in in, in pig populations, uh, and uh, you know that's one of the reasons why uh, Manitoba farmers are engaged in in ongoing herd surveillance and health surveillance. That's a, a critical part of, of the professional standards and, and good uh, good business practices for uh, for raising hogs in Manitoba. So uh, surveillance is is a is a key part of of what. Uh, uh, Manitoba producers do. Just talk a bit more about, um, I guess, the, the safety aspect of this. Well, I, I think a, a very important point to, to emphasize is is that uh, we all know barbecue season's coming, and and pork still belongs on on the on Manitoba's barbecues because uh, neither of of these uh, these uh, viruses are, are transmissible by food. So uh, pork is pork is safe to eat and. And that's again. That's something that was uh, emphasized in the news conference on Friday with the, the chief veterinary officer and our, our chief public health officer. Is that uh, pork is is uh, is is safe to eat? So that's uh, you know really do want to emphasize that. And and the the fact that these cases are rare and they're not uh, readily transmissible uh, does provide assurances that uh, there really is no increased health risk. Uh, to uh, to Manitobans. Any advice for uh, for farmers on what they could do to prevent this uh, type of um, occurrence? I, I think it just gets back to doing what uh, what farmers are already doing. 
uh, and that's to, to emphasize uh, biosecurity. We've we've talked about biosecurity in the past, Corey, and uh, how important it is, and and this just just reinforces that. So, um, you know, just the good biosecurity practices to ensure that uh, diseases aren't brought into the barn, and uh, that uh, um, the the people around you are are protected as well. Anything uh, else to add here today, Cam? You know, if there are any other developments, uh, there, there is going in going to be an ongoing investigation. And if there's any any uh, developments, we'll let you and, and your listeners know. That was Cam Dahl, General Manager of Manitoba Pork. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. On Friday, the province's Chief Public Health Officer and Chief Veterinary Officer announced a positive human case of both H1N1 and H1N2 influenza variants. These two flu viruses are related to influenza viruses that circulate in pigs, however, are rarely found in humans. Cam Dahl is General Manager of Manitoba Pork. They aren't easily transmitted between people. In fact, uh, we're not aware of any sustained transmission in, in these two cases. So there's no, no increased risk to, to Manitobans, no, no cause for concern of that these two, uh, two cases are, are going to uh, spread. Manitoba Pork says the viruses are not a food-related illness and are not transmissible to people through pork meat or other products that come from pigs, and there is no risk associated with eating pork. Dahl is reminding hog farmers to continue to practice strict biosecurity on their farms. Manitoba canola growers hosted a webinar last month focusing on flea beetles. One of the speakers was provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. When we talk about flea beetles, to most canola growers, we're talking one or two species that feed on canola. But there's actually a group or tribe of flea beetles that they're quite diverse. There's about 470 species in North America. In Manitoba, we've actually got about 72 species of flea beetles. And Canadian Western Agribition has announced plans to be back with a full live event in Regina this fall, despite the uncertainty of the pandemic. Work has begun for the 50th anniversary of the show, which will include 12 national breed shows. Regular programs include the professional rodeo will also be coming back. The show is scheduled to run from November 22nd to the 27th. Last year, due to the pandemic, the show was forced to move online, but was still able to attract 1.2 million people from 86 different countries. The show, however, reported a loss of $774,000. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, May 3rd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll get an update from the Canadian Food Grains Bank in Saskatchewan. Golden West Daniel McElroy spoke with Rick Block from the Canadian Food Grains Bank about their current operations throughout Saskatchewan. They've currently got 34 different projects on the go, including a new project that supports food insecure people all over the world. Canadian farmers and producers have a pretty big role to play in uh, disseminating food around the world in your organization, right? Oh, absolutely. Canadian farmers... um I mean, it's, the, it's Canadian farmers that really were at the heart of the origin of the Food Grains Bank. And years ago, it used to be, you know, actually the, the grain that was actually produced was actually shipped as, as emergency food assistance. Um, that now has translated into more kind of financial resources that, uh, yeah, that are, you know, transferred much more quickly and efficiently. 
uh, and the work is more effectively done through, you know, our kind of uh, local partners on the ground. Tell us a little bit about how the pandemic is uh, affecting food stability around the world. We only really experienced a glimpse of that last year in about April and May when, you know, all of a sudden people couldn't get yeast or maybe flour, I guess <laughs> toilet paper for that matter. But around the world, uh, COVID has disrupted supply chains both locally and all, also uh, uh, larger chains. But it is often some of the local and regional supply chains that um, uh, where, for example, you think of many, many countries uh, that still have fairly significant rural populations and are kind of focused fo- accessing food. It relies on going to a local market. Um, and at times when those markets would be shut down, especially, you know, kind of early on during COVID and even now in, in certain locations where, where COVID is really hitting a second or third wave, we can think of the situation in India. Uh, that is exasperating both uh, being able to access food uh, but then also the, the impact that it has on people's livelihoods and the amount of essentially cash on hand that they have to be able to, to buy food and keep food, you know, keep uh, 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 themselves and their family fed. So is the uh, Canadian Food Grains Bank looking at potentially needing to up the ante, as it were, um, going into this uh, this upcoming year? Well, our work is uh, largely based on, on the support from grassroots supporters. And so, I mean, we can say even in this past year, um, and myself as a regional representative for Saskatchewan, um, very humbling to kind of see the response, the very um, committed response from from Canadians uh, to say, hey, we, we have been impacted somewhat, uh, but we do know that others are being impacted more severely and we want to respond to that. So in many ways, the Food Grains Bank, by virtue of its very broad donor base, has really already stepped up. Uh, the federal government has also stepped up in relation to uh, increasing some level of funding uh, through the Food Greens Bank that is specifically in response to to, uh, to some of the situations that uh, that COVID has kind of um, presented in a number of parts of the world. And, I mean, another part of it is we know we aren't able to encompass, you know, really the Food Greens Bank, you know, we can do what we can uh, to alleviate hunger in the areas that we work in, knowing that there still are there's still a lot of work to do. Um and we, yeah, continue to uh, to you know try to do as best uh, that we can do with the resources that we have. Block went on to say they really appreciate the sense of stewardship of resources, which is a major value throughout Saskatchewan, and that a number of farmers have already committed acres of land to help those in need. For Golden West Radio, I'm Daniel McElroy. Thanks, Daniel. Firefighters across Manitoba will be receiving grain entrapment safety training over the next few weeks. Rob Gobey is with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. CASA has built a um, grain entrapment demonstration and training trailer. We call it our Be Grain Safe mobile unit. And uh, it was first put on the road, put into service in, I guess, the summer of 2017. Uh, so we're going on year, uh, well, this is year four. And, um, you know, every year we've had this program, it's evolved and uh, it's uh, getting busier and busier. Um, contrary to the COVID pandemic right now, uh, we're actually really busy. Um, unfortunately, the 
green awareness demonstrations. Uh, the trade show scene has kind of dropped off the map, as we're all aware. But um, on the flip side, uh, we've been really busy with the firefighter green rescue training with the unit. So um, we've been uh, going across the prairies uh, this year. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, how it works and how the firefighters will uh, interact with this. Well, the unit itself, um, like I was saying, we do some awareness demonstrations at trade shows where we basically uh, demonstrate using a mannequin how quickly uh, a person can get entrapped in green um, by using their system and things like that. But when the firefighters their training, uh, we have our grain rescue training program that we've created with the help of the Office of the Fire Commissioner in Manitoba. Um, and when they do their training, uh, they they take turns doing the different uh, roles in the scenario. Uh, one person acts as the victim, so they physically uh, entrap a live firefighter and do a mock rescue with them. Um, and just to clarify, there are some safety controls in the uh, demonstration bin as well. There's a safety grade at the bottom so no one can get sucked uh, through the chute and into the auger system. So it is environment. Um, but uh, the firefighters take on the various roles. So one is the victim. Um, we have two rescuers and one helper during the uh, training scenario, and they all take turns taking on the various roles. Um, combined with that, uh, prior to that uh, practical training, there is a requirement to take either a one-day in-class theory component, or we've also developed an online module now uh, based on the need for uh, remote learning. That was Rob Gobey with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. Firefighter training took place in Minneota, Manitoba over the weekend. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Daniel McElroy, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Canada's Farm Show is going virtual this year, June 16th and 17th. Go to canadasfarmshow.com for details. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, flea beetles was the focus of a Manitoba canola growers webinar hosted last month. One of the speakers was provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. When we talk about flea beetles, to most canola growers, we're talking one or two species that feed on canola. But there's actually a group or tribe of flea beetles that um, they're quite diverse. There's about 470 species in North America. In Manitoba, we've actually got about 72 species of flea beetles. So uh, again, quite diverse. So Manitoba, 72 species of flea beetles. um, And not all of them are bad flea beetles. There are some that are potential pests, a couple in canola, one in potatoes. Most flea beetles um, are kind of neutral. There are actually a few beneficial flea beetles in the prairies. In fact, there's been several species of flea beetles that have been released purposely to control leafy spurge because 
Their larvae do a great job feeding on the roots. They feed on the upper parts and they are a great biocontrol. So there's bad flea beetles and there's good flea beetles. Of the 72 in Manitoba, 10 will feed on canola and two are potential problems in our canola really. The striped flea beetle and the crucifer flea beetle. Those are your two um, more problem flea beetles. They are a little different in their biology. I'll go over some of that. Uh, striped flea beetle comes out a bit earlier than crucifer flea beetle. Um, they're similar in many ways, but their life cycles are slightly different. Both of them are introduced species. So they were uh, accidentally brought over the striped flea beetle's been here a long time. Um, there's reports of it from prior to the 1700s, so it's been here for a while. Crucifer flea beetle, first found in British Columbia in 1923, but by the late 30s, early 40s, it had spread uh, well into and through the prairies and was becoming a major pest on cruciferous crops that were grown in the prairies. And um, I mentioned earlier that we do have some uh, beneficial flea beetles. Here's the ones that feed on leafy spurge. So if you do see a lot of black flea beetles in your ditches and they're on some of the weeds, don't worry, those won't be the same ones that will invade your canola. They're the two species mainly that I showed you earlier, striped and crucifer. Now moving on to life cycle. When we, um, well, what you see for flea beetles is the adults and you see them twice. And so it might be tempting to think we've got two cycles of them, but really it's one generation. You see the adults twice. They overwinter as adults. So you will see the adults usually from about mid-August until into October. That's when they will start getting underneath the leaf litter, overwintering. The exact same flea beetles are what come out in the spring and feed on your canola and do all the damage. In between, they're laying eggs uh, and you've got larvae feeding on the roots. I'll show you some pictures of that later. Uh, now those flea beetles that start coming out in the spring, there's been a few studies on what drives them and gets their cycle going. Um, generally, they will fly when the daily maximum temperature is above about 14 degrees and they prefer to fly on calm days. Um, so down here, I mentioned negatively correlated with average wind speed. That basically means they don't like it when it's windy. They will hunker down and stay put, but you get a calm day above about 14 in the spring, and that's when they will start moving about. And in fact, they've already been moving about this year a little bit. Some of the striped flea beetles have been out on some of the warmer days we've been having in the prairies, but still it's just a, a fraction of what's uh, overwintered. That was provincial entomologist John Gavlosky speaking on a webinar last month about flea beetles. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. On Friday, the province's chief public health officer and chief veterinary officer announced a positive case of both H1N1 and H1N2 influenza variants. These two flu viruses are related to influenza viruses that circulate in pigs, however, are rarely found in humans. Cam Dahl is general manager of Manitoba Pork. We all know barbecue season's coming, and and pork still belongs on on the on Manitoba's barbecues because uh, neither of of these uh, these uh, viruses are are transmissible by food. So uh, pork is pork is safe to eat, and 
And that's, again, that's something that was uh, emphasized in the news conference on Friday with the, the chief veterinary officer and our, our chief public health officer is that uh, pork is safe to eat. Dahl is reminding hog farmers to continue to practice strict biosecurity on their farms. Flea beetles was the focus of a Manitoba canola growers webinar hosted last month. One of the speakers was provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. So Manitoba, 72 species of flea beetles. Not all of them are bad flea beetles. There are some that are potential pests, a couple in canola, one in potatoes. Most flea beetles are kind of neutral. There are actually a few beneficial flea beetles in the prairies. In fact, there's been several species of flea beetles that have been released purposely to control leafy spurge because their larvae do a great job feeding on the roots. They feed on the upper parts and they are a great biocontrol. And Manitoba has announced $2 million for hunter education and safety. The money will endow the Hunter Education and Safety Fund, which the province says will support the Manitoba Wildlife Federation in activities that educate, train, and recruit hunters. Agriculture and Resource Development Minister Blaine Peterson says the endowment will provide perpetual funding for programming. He says it will also ensure resources are available to sustain and improve programming for generations to come. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll hear from Keystone Agricultural Producers President Bill Campbell. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.